So how are you going to keep the faith in this ever-increasing hostile world? How are you going to keep the faith? How are you going to remain faithful in this increasingly hostile world? What are you going to do when you're the only follower of Jesus Christ in the room? What are you going to do when others are asking you to agree and affirm to something that you know contradicts God's word? How are you going to live faithfully in this hostile world? How are you going to live in such a way that when maybe you're the only student in the class and the teacher and the classmates are making fun of you because you follow Jesus Christ, how are you going to remain faithful? How are you going to remain faithful? There's lots of strategies that people try to answer that question and how to remain faithful in a hostile world. Some people, they actually decide to, to hide. They try to hide from others. And then what they do is they say, I'm just going to spend time with Christians. I'm just going to spend time with Christians. The problem with that strategy is you're employing a heavenly strategy for an earthly problem. See, in heaven, we will be with Christians for all eternity. We'll get to be with one another. But in the meantime, we'll miss out on the mission of Jesus. Just to spend time with Christians alone, as great as this is, and it's been great to worship God together, hasn't it? This is not our ultimate purpose, just to be together. That's like celebrating the win without actually going through the game. The victory is in heaven. Here on earth, we need to continue off the mission. We heard about the mission. Pastor, Pastor Kyle already talked about it. He read from Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I command. And so we're called to engage, not disengage. So how are you going to live in such a way that you remain faithful in this hostile world? What did Jesus do? Did Jesus retreat from his enemies? No. Christmas is all about Jesus coming into this world and actually loving his enemies. Winning his enemies. You and I were enemies. We were rebels against God. And Jesus came for us. And so God calls us to live in a different way. To look to Jesus. To look to Jesus. We see some examples of how to live faithfully in a hostile world. We saw it this week. Let me tell you about Dan Orzlowski. Dan Orzlowski was a former, or is a former um, NFL quarterback, and now he is a sportscaster for ESPN. And this week, Dan took a bold stand. You see, last Monday night, in a game between the Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills, maybe you heard about this, 
there was this horrific incident that occurred. Damar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills was trying to tackle a Bengal player, and it, it, his helmet hit him in the chest, and looked like just a normal play, and Damar got up, and then he immediately fell back in cardiac arrest. And the whole stadium went silent as Damar had CPR administered to him. And all week long, the Buffalo Bills and the NFL and, and, and so many people are saying, pray, pray for DeMar, pray for DeMar, prayers for DeMar. Well, Dan Orsoski, this sportscaster, said, I'm not just going to ask for prayer. I'm going to actually ask God in prayer. And so on live national television, Dan Orsoski bowed his head, and he prayed to the one true living God that Damar would live. And God has caused Damar to live. He's now off a breathing tube, and Damar can now talk to his family and friends and even visit via video the Buffalo Bills. God answers prayer. But God calls us to faithfulness, to be bold. See, the theme for this year is that in an increasing and hostile world, that we need to keep our eyes on Christ, who will keep us faithful. If we just keep on Jesus, like Dan did, he will keep us faithful. He will keep us bold. So that's why, in summary, in short, this year is all about eyes locked on Jesus. Eyes locked on Jesus, who died for us, who rose again for us. So are you locking your eyes on Jesus? Or are you even looking at other things? That's been the challenge that the Lord has challenged me with, to ask this question, have I locked my eyes on Jesus? In an increasing hostile culture, we need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, some of you, I just got to address this, some of you are not believers. Some of you can't lock your eyes on Jesus because you have not actually trusted in Jesus. There's others of you maybe listening online, maybe of those that are here today, and if you're being honest, you're like, I'm actually part of the group that's making it hard for Christians. I've made fun of Christians. I, I think this Jesus thing is crazy. It's some kind of cult. My question to you is, who do you turn to in tragedy? That's what we saw this week with Tamar. Many people were wondering, who do I turn to in such difficult times? I challenge you today, if you are one who does not trust in Christ, maybe you've been hostile to Christians would you watch Christians and their response and their faithfulness to Jesus? Would you say, I'm going to look at, into this further and see if there's one who could truly help me through this life to make it through life? Because I believe there is. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. And we're going to, to focus in on looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. This is our focus of this day. If you have your Bibles, you can 
you read along with me or you can look it up on the screen, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? And those online can look on the screen as well. You can Google this. It's the book of Hebrews. If you have your hard copy don't know where that is, you can look at the table of contents and see where the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And this is what we read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God for you. This is the hope of the world for you. Amen? You may be seated. The book of Hebrews, just to give you context, it's really important. Context is critical. You never want to rip things, anything out of context. So let me give you just a quick overview of the book of Hebrews. In fact, I could summarize it in three words. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than any leader. Jesus is better than Moses and the law and all the rules. Jesus is better than any other priest. Jesus' sacrifice is better than any other sacrifice. Jesus is better. If you want to understand the book of Hebrews, then Jesus is what? He's better. He's better than any other leader, religious leader you could turn to because he's the only one who saves. Jesus is better. That's what the, the book of Hebrews is all about. And if you want to go back this afternoon, I would encourage you to read the first 11 chapters. When we get to chapter 12, which I just read, the writer of Hebrews starts to talk about a race, that we are living this life and we're to to run it with perseverance. And then he goes on and talks about our new identity. He talks about us as being citizens of God, being children of God. See, if you think about it, that's really important. Because, well, let's, let's put it this way. If you were going to just go and wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to run in the Olympics. And you show up at the Olympics, and you're like, hey, I'm ready to run. Do you think they're going to let you run? No. You have to qualify for that race. You have to be authorized to represent your group or your nation, right? To be able to run. So how do we get qualified to run this race with Jesus? Well, we talked about it before Christmas. You must be born again. We studied John chapter 3, and Jesus taught us that we needed to be spiritually reborn. We need to become children of God. We need to become born again. And we become born again by believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who came to take away our sins, our rebellion. And we believe in him and what he did by rising from the grave. And if we believe in that, then we get new life spiritual life and now we become runners in this race of life with Christ 
and gives us great hope. Gives us great hope. We become born again. See, Jesus ran the hardest race, didn't he? Jesus lived a perfect life. And he carried all of our sins to that cross. So he's worth following, isn't he? Have you found that to be true? I hope so today. If we follow this Jesus, there's going to be three benefits that we'll experience. Maybe today you're wondering about some of your problems. Maybe some of you are wondering about your purposes. Some of you are wondering, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I barely made it through 2022. God can help us if we keep our eyes fixed and locked on Jesus. And we're going to experience three benefits. There's more, but the text gives us at least three if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Here's the first benefit. We need to look to Jesus in order to lay aside our baggage and our sins. To lay aside our baggage and our sins. Isn't that what it says right here? In verse 1, look at it, what it says in Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. We need to lay aside our baggage and sins, but we'll do so as we look to Jesus. So, what is this talking about, our baggage? Well, see, runners used to, and still do today, you see runners, sometimes they'll, they'll put extra weights on their body when they're training to get stronger. But when it comes to race time, what do they do? They take off what entangles them. Now, back in that day, uh, they wear robes, right? And so... Today, if you think about me, if I'm going to run a race, I am, I'm not going to wear this heavy winter coat, right? I'm taking off some of the baggage. And so I get rid of the baggage. And hand it over to somebody who can carry it or who will discard it. And I want to tell you today that that's Jesus. But it's not just our baggage, it's also our sins. If I try to run with this sport coat, and for me, the sport coat, maybe it's a thing of pride for me. Show my education, show that I, you know, I'm above others. I need to take that off too. I need to hand that over to Jesus. Today, Maybe you came in here with baggage. You have what I would call three categories. Actually, Celebrate Recovery describes those three categories as, as hurts, as hang-ups, as habits. The hurts are those sins, those offenses that have been committed against you. And right now, it doesn't take anything for me to say that word hurt, and you, it comes to the surface. It's right there. You can think about it. And I don't mean to bring more pain to you. In fact, today, I'm hoping that this will be a day where the baggage, you get to get rid of your baggage. You lay aside your baggage. 
Often that, that baggage of hurt doesn't just stay hurt, though. It can turn into bitterness. If you look at your Bibles, look at what it says uh, later on in uh, verse 15 of, of chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 15, it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. There's a grace of God for you today. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Maybe that baggage has become such a, uh, a stumbling block for you that it's defiling you. It's causing problems in your life. So that's the hurts. But then there's also the hang-ups. Those are the preferences that you have. Those are the things that you think are so important that you've become black and white about them and that they have become rules. They're no longer preferences. They become principles in your life. And they're not just a rule for you, but they're also a rule for others. And you're hanging on to them. It's time to get rid of them, to lay aside your baggage. And then there's the habits. These can be good disciplines, but you're holding on to your discipline so much, and, and you think that that's going to help you make it through. And discipline's good, but the discipline in chapter 12 is ultimately comes from the Lord. It comes from his help and his guidance as he loves you as a father. And so we need to lay aside our baggage. But we also need to lay aside our sins. I think there are two categories for that. Our hookups and our heresies. Our hookups. Often those come in the form of, of hooking up, whether it's, whether it's sexually, relationally, um, in ways that we are attached to others, and we stumble over those things. And we get into these detrimental alliances, spiritually detrimental alliances, and we form unholy bonds. It needs to change. It's hard. But looking to Jesus, you'll say, it's worth it. It's worth it. He lived a pure life. And then there's the heresies, the false doctrines, the things that are not quite aligned with God's word. Those are the, the heresies that we need to lay aside. In his recent memoirs, called Surrender, Bono, the lead singer of the Irish rock band U2, says this. He declares this. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, but sometimes I have a hard time keeping up. Hmm. Do you have a hard time keeping up? At first that sounds, yeah, I can relate to that. I have a hard time keeping up. The problem with that is the fact as honest as it is, is Jesus never left. Jesus doesn't run far ahead. Jesus is with you, as Pastor Kyle quoted in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 20, for lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus is with you at all times. And so that's why when you look to Jesus, he never gets too far ahead of you, that you can't keep up. He'll slow down his pace. Or he'll tell you to speed up. But keep running the race with endurance. So that's the first benefit. Some of you today need to let go of the baggage. You were hurt, especially over the last three years with COVID, when people had all sorts of different 
perspectives than you did. And you have what I'm calling today COVID carry-ons that you keep with you at all times. Let it go. Take it to the cross. Lay aside the baggage and sins today as you look to Jesus. That's the first benefit. The second benefit is this. Look to Jesus in order to run the race that God has set before you. Did you realize that God has a race for you and for you alone to run? Your race? You're not to run other people's race. You're to run the race that God has set before you. That's what I see. Do you see it right there in the text? It says in the second part of, of uh, verse, verse 1 of chapter 12, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Set before us. We need to run our own race. We need to look to Jesus in order to run the race that God has set before us. Now, it might not look it right now, but at one time I was a runner. Started out a sprinter, got taller, and became a cross-country, long-distance runner. And uh, a few years back, my wife was working with some uh, street youth and... um, uh, with a um, ministry to help help the homeless in Oshawa. And they decided to have a quarter marathon race to raise funds. And so I decided, well, you know, I used to run. I think I'm going to try to enter this race. The problem is I had never run a quarter marathon before. That was way too, that was a, lo- a lot longer than I'd ever run. So I trained and um, I did know that you know, as I thought back to my days, I don't want to be at the back of the line in this race. I want to be kind of towards the front. So I got to the front of the race, and here's all these, these man, I look at all these runners, and there was some, some African runners, and I'm like, I knew that they were just going to sprint. This is just a sprint, like 10 kilometers, nothing, right? 10 plus kilometers. So I got there, and I'm running, and I think I'm doing pretty well. And then you know what happens? All of a sudden... This guy passes me. Other people pass me, but this guy was different. This guy, let's just put it this way, was carrying some extra baggage. Okay? A few extra meals, if I could put it that way. And I'm like, how in the world is that guy? That guy running faster than I am. And in the Bible, it says flee temptation. But at that moment, I wanted to run with temptation. I wanted to run faster. And so I started to think, okay, if I go faster, but then I realized in my, there was a voice in my head from my track and cross-country coaches said, you have to run your own race. That's his race. I got to run my own race. I got to run the race that's set before me. So I, I, didn't, I didn't chase him. I kept running. And I realized that I learned from running in my previous days, that you don't look to the sides and you certainly don't look back because then you'll lose your your place and your pace. So I kept running. I kept going forward. Then you know what happened? There was this young mom who raced by me pushing a stroller. (laughs) And again, I thought, I got to keep up with this young mom. No. I'm not going to make it if I try to run somebody else's race. Look again at 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What's that talking about? Well, the witnesses are all of the heroes of the faith that are mentioned in chapter 11. You got Abraham, you got Moses, you got uh, Gideon, you have um, all these amazing biblical characters who, who looked to Jesus and they ran their race. And now... They're witnesses. And many people kind of get confused by this. They think, well, those, those former runners, they're now in the stands and they're watching us. And, and some people have actually believed in, in heresy, actually, that people up in heaven, your loved ones, are looking down on heaven watching you run your race. I sure hope not. That doesn't sound like fun up in heaven. No, we are, we are the, as, as the runners are looking to them and their example from the past. And we're not even actually looking to them in the sense that we should follow all of their ways because many of them had faltered, right? In fact, all of them had sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The point is that they had faith and they were looking to Jesus themselves. And that's what we need to do. We need to run our own race. See, we don't run our race for the cloud of witnesses, we run for an audience of one. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is how we remain faithful in a hostile world. We look to Jesus. And Jesus will help us. He'll help us to keep up. But again, we need to lay aside the baggage and the sins and run the race that's before us. Now, some of you today, going back for a moment, have been thinking about your own baggage. And one thing I learned about baggage over the Christmas holidays as I read an author was no matter if you spruce up your baggage in a paper bag or in a purse, it's still baggage, right? In fact, As I look, often the baggage is heavier in the, the baggage that we, we spruce up that's more valuable. When I look out at this audience, you're all beautiful, right? You're all beautiful. The problem is, with sometimes with beauty, you're more of a target for abuse and for being used. And I'm telling you today again, that you have to lay aside your baggage. Drop it. Drop your rock moment so that you can, you can run the race that God has set before you. First benefit was what? Lay aside your what? Your baggage and sins. Second was run the race God has set before you, your race, your race that God has marked out. And if you want to know how to run that race, i got to challenge you, read God's word. These are the markers. This will set you on the path. The Bible also talks about that his word is like a light and a lamp upon the path. This is the pathway as you follow Jesus. This is a great time. It's better than any New Year's resolution. Just read God's word. 
Read God's word. Read the gospels. Continue to watch how Jesus ran his own race so that you can look to him to lay aside your baggage and sins and to run the race God has set before you. Here's the third benefit. The third benefit to look to Jesus is to endure suffering with joy. To look to Jesus to endure suffering with joy. It's time to drop the baggage and look to Jesus to run that race before you. Then the last is to do it with joy. That's what we read in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder, perfecter, maybe the finisher of our faith. It could be actually translated finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, let's not be confused as we look to Jesus to endure suffering with joy. Let's not think that Jesus got up on Good Friday and he's like, happy, happy, happy. I'm going to be crucified for the sins of the whole world. That's not what he was talking about. He actually despised the shame of the cross as he was naked up on that cross. He despised your shame. He despised your guilt. And because of that, it actually led him to joy because he knew through the cross, at the other end of the cross, and after, the, after he had risen from three, after three days in the grave, that he would rise again and he would win a people for himself. And that's you and me. That's you and me. That's how we are motivated as we look to Jesus to endure suffering with joy. One of the big blessings that my, I had in my life was I had a, a fa- father who was a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, he was a pastor. He was a pastor in this church. And when I used to complain to him about how difficult things were, I'd say, Dad, like, you know what's happening right now? And he'd say, huh. Did you hide on a cross for six hours? Sometimes he would, uh, he grabbed my hand, said, hmm, I don't see any nail marks in your hand. Now, my dad wasn't minimizing my suffering, but he was maximizing our Savior. And in fact, that's what verse 4 essentially is saying that the writer of Hebrews is saying, look what it says in Hebrews 12, 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I don't see any oozing wounds today for Jesus. Maybe inside your heart, maybe other ways. But this is what we must do. We must look to Jesus. Look to Jesus Jesus will help us. And if we look to Jesus, then we'll be able to run this race. We'll be able to remain faithful in an increasingly hostile world. As we head to the communion table, it begs the question today, are you a follower of Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus alone? To take away your sins and your baggage? Are you trusting him to run the race that God has set before you? Have you trusted him even with your suffering that you can do so with joy? 
as we sing this song, those at the back in the upper bowl, you can come and you can get the bread and the cup if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, we'd love for next time you're here that maybe you'll come to that place where you actually say, I am a follower of Jesus. I am born again. On these tables is the rock. And if you just need to just take a moment in a very symbolic way, pick up the rock and say, I need to let go of the baggage that I've been hanging on to, the COVID carry-ons or whatever carry-on you have. And then take this bread and this cup, which we will do all together in a few moments. But today is a day to declare to God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm committed to following Jesus. Just as Alina did. That was so awesome, wasn't it? That's what it's about, folks. That's how you remain faithful. If you look to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I know what I'm declaring today is hard. Some of us would rather hide on to our baggage. Some of us want to just go our own way. Others of us, we just can't get past the suffering. We don't even see joy in all this. But God, as we look to Jesus, all those things start to become dim. So God, would they right now? We ask that we would now eat and drink in a way that would communicate that we're on this race. It's like another reminder, a pit stop on the race of life saying, oh yeah, Jesus already ran this race. His, his body, his, his blood is sufficient for me. I can keep going. We thank you for that truth. We pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. God's people said, amen and amen. You come as we sing this song, letting it lay inside your baggage and sins, trusting in Jesus.